All right, let's continue. Now let's talk about the posterior pituitary gland. We said something about the posterior lobe or neural hypothesis. And again, does not synthesize any hormones. What happens in the posterior pituitary gland is that it will store and release those hormones. They will not be produced in the posterior pituitary gland. They are produced at the hypothalamus. Producing the hypothalamus by neurons, the axons of these neurons come down, come down towards the posterior pituitary gland, which is nervous tissue, and they will release the product there in the posterior pituitary gland. Those hormones are oxytocin and ADH, which stands for antidiuretic hormone. So those two hormones are not produced by the posterior pituitary gland. They are released at the posterior pituitary gland. Those axons, they come down from the hypothalamus all the way down to the posterior pituitary gland. And what we're going to see today in the lab is pituitary gland, the two parts, and you will see very clear that the hypothalamus and the posterior pituitary gland is just the same type of tissue. It's like white matter. And that is depicted here. See the neurosecretory cells. These neurons are the ones that produce oxytocin and ADH. And the lone axons come down and they release the product in the posterior pituitary gland. The posterior pituitary gland is surrounded by capillary blood vessels and that's how they get released to the blood and circulate all over. And we see them here again. Those uh, groups of neurons in the hypothalamus are the paraventricular nucleus paraventricular nucleus produces ADH, produces and releases ADH. And the supraoptic nucleus secretes oxytocin. Well, you can see how the axons come down to the pituitary gland, posterior pituitary gland, and they are released to the capillary blood vessels. So if the question in the exam says, Oxytocin and ADH are produced by the pituitary gland, you will answer false. Remember this moment. It's recorded. It is recorded. I bet that there will be at least two incorrect answers in the exam regarding this. Yeah, you can listen to that in the minute three of the second part of this lecture. Let's record it. ADH and oxytocin are not produced by the posterior pituitary gland. They are just released at the posterior pituitary gland. Let's talk about oxytocin. The action of the oxytocin is to enhance the contraction of the smooth muscle of the uterus. 
of the uterus during labor. This is the hormone of the labor. And second effect stimulates milk ejection. So it works on the mammary glands also. Here in this diagram we see that again, hypothalamus cells producing oxytocin coming down and being released at the posterior pituitary gland and then working in two places, uterus and mammary gland. That's about the oxytocin. ADH or antidiuretic hormone. The production and secretion of ADH depends on osmotic pressure, osmosis, osmoreceptors. Some neurons have osmoreceptors. They detect the changes on the osmotic pressure of the plasma, which means how much or how much solutes we have in the plasma, how concentrated the blood is, or how diluted the blood is. If there is an increase in blood volume, that will cause a decrease in ADH secretion. Increase in blood volume causes decrease in ADH. And decreased blood volume causes an increase in ADH. How this works? Imagine someone in dehydration, sweating a lot, vomiting, diarrhea, whichever. Dehydration, losing a lot of fluids. That means decrease in blood volume. That is the stimulus for increasing ADH secretion. Well, this hormone is called antidiuretic. It means antidiuresis, anti-urination. It will prevent elimination of urine. It will keep fluid. We need the fluid. This is decreased blood volume during dehydration. So that's how that works. And the other way around, if there's an increase in blood volume, like you drink like five liters of water in half an hour, you increase your blood volume. So the ADH will be decreased. There is no antidiuresis. There is no anti-urination. You have to urinate. You have to eliminate the water. So that's how the ADH works. There is graft here. High osmotic pressure stimulates osmoreceptors. Osmoreceptors, they will signal these neurons of the hypothalamus to produce ADH. And this ADH will be released at the posterior pituitary gland. It will produce the kidneys to retain water. Sweat glands decrease water loss and blood vessels constrict. Those are the effects of the antidiuretic hormone. Posterior pituitary gland, this is the summary. Oxytocin, target uterus and memory glands. Antidiuretic hormone target kidneys, skin, blood vessels.
That was the pituitary gland, anterior and posterior pituitary gland with all the hormones related to this gland. Now let's move to the thyroid gland. Thyroid gland is a gland located in the neck anteriorly, inferior to the larynx, anterior to the trachea. It has two lobes, right lobe, left lobe, connected by a segment called the isthmus. Thyroid gland is examined, palpating below the larynx or Adam's apple, commonly known. Then you keep going down, you will touch the cricoid cartilage, below the cricoid cartilage and between the suprasternal notch of your breastbone. That is a place deep when you uh, where, where the thyroid gland is. For examination of the thyroid gland, what we, what we do is put our hands here and ask the patient to swallow. Say, swallow saliva. And if you do this yourself, you will notice that when you do that, all the larynx goes up and you start feeling some tissue here. Without, if it's enlarged, then we palpate and touch the thyroid gland. But if it's not enlarged, you won't feel any difference. It's just tissue there. So that's the thyroid gland located anteriorly. We see the relationships here. Below the larynx, anterior to the trachea. And in medial to the sternocleidomastoid muscles. Microscopy of the thyroid gland. This is what we see under the microscope. The thyroid gland is organized in what we call follicles. Remember, in microscopy, we see sections, slices of tissue. And if you imagine this in 3D, it will be something like big things, round things in 3D, like a bunch of grapes, very one tightly too close to another, to one another. But if we make a section, then we have this view. All this circular the structure is what we call a follicle. And the follicle has walls, I mean, has walls, and the walls are or contain cells. And those cells are cuboidal cells called follicular cells. This pink substance inside the follicle is called colloid. And the colloid contains glycoproteins. And that's where the hormones are produced the thyroid hormones. So we'll see more slides in the lab of this thyroid gland. Follicular cells, they are the ones that receive stimulation from TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland. And the follicular cells will produce thyroid hormones, which are two, thyroxine or T4, and thyroidothyronine or T3. Again, we, we use the short names, T3, T4. We never say thyroxine, tetraiodothyronine. We even say thyroxine sometimes, but it's usually T3, T4. That's how we know the thyroid hormones. There's a different type of cell called parafollicular cell in the thyroid gland. And as the name says, it's next to the follicle. It's in the space in between follicles. They are producing this hormone called calcitonin. This calcitonin has to do with 
calcium homeostasis. It controls the levels of calcium in the blood. T3 and T4, they are produced and secreted in eight-step process. Eight steps. Let's go one by one. Step one, iodide trapping. Iodide, we need iodide. We have to take it in the diet. We don't produce iodide. We rely on the amount of iodide that we consume in our diet. So this iodide is circulating in the blood and it's trapped by these follicular cells. And we see the iodides here, these green circles, been taken. This iodide crosses the follicular cell and it gets into the colloid. But, as part of this process, the second step, these cells, the follicular cells, produce this TGB or thyroglobulin. Thyroglobulin. This is a protein. And this protein will be secreted into the colloid. That's the composition of the colloid, thyroglobulin, this protein. And look here, in step number three, the TGB binds the I2 or iodide, iodine. Now it's two atoms of iodide make an iodine. And this is what we have now, a long chain containing iodine. Now this TGB contains this amino acid called tyrosine. And this tyrosine will get iodated. It will bind iodine. Now what we have is a long protein containing tyrosine, the amino acid, with iodine. Step number five, these long chains organized in T1, T2, we call them, depending on the number of tyrosines, amino acids, they get together. They get together. That's what we call a coupling of T1 and T2. If you have two molecules of T2, then you have T4. But if you have T2 plus T1, then you have T3. And that's how T3 and T4 are formed. What happens next? Well, these hormones produce coupled they are taken back by the cell, follicular cells, by pinocytosis, and the lysosomes will be the responsible to break down this long molecule, and now we have the units of T3 and T4 ready to be secreted to the blood. And now we have T3, T4 in the blood, thyroid hormone, ready to work. So that's in the colloid, actually, where these hormones are produced. All the chemical reactions happen in the in the colloid, in the follicle, and the follicular cells, the cells of the wall, are the ones that make all this process. Actions of the thyroid hormone. Increased BMR, basal metabolic rate. 
what is the basic metabolic rate? Is the amount of energy that the body requires for the minimal functions so we can stay alive. If you just sit or lay down doing nothing, not even thinking, your body is working, it's consuming energy. That basal amount of energy is basal metabolic rate. So that has a level and that is determined by the thyroid gland, by the thyroid hormone. Body temperature is controlled by the thyroid hormones. Protein synthesis. It has an effect on growth, as we see here in the last one. Work together with HGH and insulin to accelerate body growth. So if someone, if we have a kid with problems with the thyroid gland, like not producing much thyroid hormone, then we have a short kid. That's seen people or kids with hypothyroidism they are short because of this increase the use of glucose and fatty acids for ATP production people with excessive production of hormone we say they have hyperthyroidism and we see that they are very skinny they're very thin people and they are very active they look anxious nervous and that's because they have a high metabolism and they burn a lot of glucose and fatty acids because of the effect of the thyroid hormone. The axis, how the axis work here. There is a hormone from the hypothalamus called TRH, thyrotropin releasing hormone. This TRH stimulates the pituitary gland to produce TSH and this TSH will come down to the thyroid gland and stimulate production of thyroid hormone. That's how the axis works in the thyroid gland. And we have it in this graph. Step number one. If we have low levels of T3 and T4 that will be the stimulation for the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus will release TRH. TRH will come down and stimulate the pituitary gland to produce TSH. TSH is produced, released, goes to the thyroid gland and it stimulates the follicular cells and the follicular cells, the follicle will produce and release T3, T4. Now when there is enough amount of T3, T4 they will send a signal, negative feedback, on the pituitary gland and to the hypothalamus. That's negative feedback, that's how this is controlled. Questions to this point? Summary of the action of the hormones. We have the T3, T4, we have described the secretion, how they are controlled, and the main actions that's summarized in this table. And the second hormone produced by the thyroid gland is calcitonin. Remember that? It's a hormone produced by parafollicular cells, cells next to the follicle. And they have to do with metabolism of calcium. That's how this calcitonin 
is related to the metabolism of calcium. Parathyroid. Parathyroid glands, they are small, small groups of cells, very small glands, located behind the thyroid gland and the posterior aspect of the thyroid gland. Two in each side, two in each lobe. One inferior, one superior. So we have here the four in green groups of cells, parathyroid gland. These cells are embedded in the tissue, in the thyroid tissue, and those slide that we have, you see in the middle of the follicles, a group of cells, dark cells, the parafollic, I mean the, the parathyroid gland. There are two types of cells in the parathyroid gland. The chief cells, or principal cells, those are the ones that produce the hormone, PTH, parathyroid hormone or parathormone. And the second type of cell is called oxyphil cells. Oxyphil cells, um, it's not so clear what they have to do, I mean, where the function is, but apparently it's like a type of cell that is a reserve or inactive cell because sometimes in cases of parathyroid cancer, we see them secreting uh, additional amount of parathyroid hormone. They are not that many. We can see them spread out in the, among the principal cells or chief cells. But those are the cells that produce the PTH, the chief cells or principal cells. Under the microscope, we can differentiate. Uh, those, the slides that we have don't help with for that. We just see main cells or chief cells in this. This is the way that you will see the parathyroid gland. A dark group of cells in the middle of all these follicles from the thyroid gland. See, here this uh, slide is showing the chief cell, a very small cell, and the oxyphil cell, large nucleus and large cytoplasm. As I said, it's hard to see in these slides that we have the two types of cells action of the parathyroid gland. Parathyroid gland produces parathyroid hormone or PTH. The PTH works together with the calcitonin. They oppose each other and they regulate the calcium homeostasis. We see in this diagram, it's a lot of uh, arrows and lines. Well, let's start with number one. High levels of calcium in the blood. That will stimulate parafollicular cells. And the parafollicular cells will release more calcitonin. We have here the green arrow. Parafollicular cells secreting calcitonin. What the calcitonin does, inhibits the osteoclasts. Remember those cells of the bone? The, the bones, the cells that eat bone? Well, they inhibit the osteoclasts, so therefore they are not eating more bone and the levels of calcium decrease in the blood. Since the stimulus is high level, the response is to lower the level of calcium. But if it gets too low, that's the other end here, then the low level of calcium will stimulate the parathyroid gland and the parathyroid gland will release PTH, 
and the PTH stimulates stimulates the osteoclast to release calcium. And this calcium will be released and restore the levels of calcium. Calcitriol is vitamin D, which is necessary for the absorption of calcium in the intestines. And this calcitriol is released by the kidney. So that's how the levels of calcium. So PTH and calcitonin, they have opposite effects. Calcitonin decreases the levels of calcium and PTH increases the levels of calcium. And in that way, we control the, uh, the levels all the time being homeostasis. As a summary, sheep cell, PTH. And let's see some problems of the thyroid gland. Hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism is seen when the thyroid gland is destroyed for some reason, you get an infection, you get some problem, a tumor, and the normal tissue is decreased or absent. Therefore, there is less production of thyroid hormone. But it may be because of deficiency <coughs> of TSH in the pituitary gland. Because if there is no TSH, the thyroid gland will not respond. There is no stimulation. And the thyroid gland will not produce thyroid hormone in normal amounts. In that case, the thyroid gland is okay, and the tissue is there. It's functional. There is no stimulation coming from the pituitary gland. But in either way, we have the following symptoms. Most common is weight gain. It's part of the screening. Someone comes with a, uh, abnormal weight gain. It's uh, got to look for hypothyroidism. Especially when the shape of the face changes in this way. It's very round. There's a particular type of weight pattern of weight gain. Forgetfulness, depression. There may be enlarged thyroid, <coughs> which is called goiter. It's a big tumor here. It is not because there is an excessive amount of hormone. It's what happens is the cells try to compensate, but they don't produce enough thyroid hormone. Constipation, problems with menstrual periods, and even infertility may be symptoms of hypothyroidism. But then with treatment, what the treatment is, we'll give the thyroid hormone, and that's a commercial preparation of so thyroxine, one pill a day, and fixed hypothyroidism, depending on the cause, of course, but that's usually the treatment. And hyperthyroidism, the other way, increased production and release of thyroid hormone. That may be seen in tumors. There may be enlarged thyroid or a nodule, a tumor, that is producing excessive amount of thyroid hormone. The symptoms go from insomnia, heat intolerance, muscle weakness, menstrual problems, infertility also. This is the other way. It's weight loss here. There is weight loss in, in hyperthyroidism. Tachycardia, increased heart rate. The palms of the hand are sweaty. There's a fine tremor of the, of the hands. 
and diarrhea. Treatment is more complex because it depends on what the problem is. If it's a tumor, they usually have to remove the tumor. There are some medications to control the production or block the production of thyroid hormone. There's even radioactive iodine to uh, control these abnormal cells. Yes? Yeah, let's say, imagine someone has a tumor of the thyroid gland and it has to be removed. Well, they remove the tumor and probably they will remove an important amount of normal thyroid cells. And after the surgery, it's like there's no thyroid anymore. So they don't produce thyroid hormones. And they need to take the supplement, the thyroid hormone, for the rest of their lives. One, uh, usually one pill a day, it comes in very calibrated dosages. And that's uh, maintenance uh, from there on. Now this is important to remember. This is hypothyroidism, but congenital hypothyroidism. So what happens here is that the thyroid gland in the baby, in the newborn, is not producing thyroid hormone. There are many causes. One of the most important is hypothyroidism in the mother. And the babies are born with congenital hypothyroidism. Solution is very simple: is give them thyroid hormone. Find out the cause if uh, the thyroid hormone, uh, the thyroid gland can recover and get to normal production. Fine, but it is one of those cases where the main symptom is mental retardation. If we take too long to give the treatment, thyroid hormone helps for growth and development. So if you take too long before diagnosing this, the baby will have mental retardation. But if we diagnose this right after birth, we give treatment, we prevent mental retardation. That's a regular screening, usually in every newborn, screening for hypothyroidism, because if you detect it right away, you give treatment. Unfortunately, sometimes, in some places, they don't detect this on time, and they notice at three months, when the baby's not able to hold their head, and that's a delay in development. And that's because of hypothyroidism sometimes. And this used to be called cretinism. There's an old name for this problem. But what it is is congenital hypothyroidism. Usually cretinism has uh, this word is uh, other connotations, but that was an old name of this problem. And goiter. Goiter is a term that we use, and what it means is enlarged thyroid gland. That's all it means. Goiter means enlarged thyroid gland. And as the picture shows, sometimes people come like this. Not, not, not common in some places of the world where the iodide is not available in the regular diet. They may show up with this problem, enlargement of the thyroid gland. But this goiter may be associated with or hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism, or euthyroidism, which means normal. So that's why I say goiter is just a term that means enlarged thyroid gland. Because it may be because of this case of nutritional deficiency of iodide, it is related with hypothyroidism. If this is a tumor, a cancer may be. That may be associated with hyperthyroidism. So, for diagnosing, we have to take a biopsy and other steps 
to have exactly what the problem is. But the picture that we show here is a goiter from nutritional problem. It's a deficiency of iodine in the diet. So what happens is there will be low level of thyroid hormone because there's not enough iodine and there's not enough inhibition of the TSH. So the TSH is produced in large amounts and the TSH stimulates the thyroid gland to grow and it grows like this but it's not producing enough amount of thyroid hormone. And that was the last one. Questions, comments? Meet you in the lab, 5.30.